Hi, and welcome to the Kintsugi Life podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. This podcast is all about how we can learn, grow, and strengthen from the challenges that everybody faces in life, valuing them as part of what makes us who we are and equips us for our future success. Right now, let's get into the content. Hi. This is Toby Hazelwood with Kintsugi Life Podcast, episode 007, Taming the Inner Voices. Whenever we're in the midst of something that we find difficult, testing or stretching, one of the biggest challenges, aside from the task itself, is often in taming those inner voices that are there to introduce doubt, fear or despondency in our minds. Instead of listening to them, we need to push on regardless. It's the same when we're in the midst of a physical challenge, such as an intense workout at the gym or recovering from an injury or illness, or when we're working through something difficult, complex or demanding at work or in our business. And it's also true when we're in the midst of a period of difficulty in our relationship. When times get tough, we all experience those inner voices that try and encourage us to stop and to cease all action. It's basically our lizard brain suggesting to us that it would be easier if we stopped, if we gave up and accepted things for the way they were, returning instead to our comfort zone. That this happens shouldn't really come as a surprise to anyone, since if you reflect on it, and if you either have kids or spend any time around kids, then you'll recognise that these objections are inherent in the things that kids say when they're faced with something they don't want to do or don't think they can do. It's a process many of us have been going through in our minds since childhood, and so it's unsurprising that with many years of practice, our brains have become quite used to operating in this way, telling us that in times of difficulty, we'd be better off opting to give in rather than creatively and persistently pushing on. In this episode of the Kintsugi Life podcast, I'll be sharing my thoughts on how these thoughts tend to manifest themselves along with some of the strategies and tactics that I use to help calm these voices and to make progress anyway. So how often have you heard kids using the expressions such as, I don't want to, or I can't, or it's too difficult, or why can't I do that, or why is that person doing this, when they're faced with something that they don't want to do and which is challenging to them? So it occurred to me recently when I was, I was training at the gym, um, I was having a particularly challenging group workout session and the thoughts that were going through my mind during that session were, were very much along the lines of those expressions that, that I kind of typically associated with um, the reactions that my kids have, have expressed in the past when I've been trying to get them to do something such as to do their homework or to behave in a certain way or to eat their vegetables or any of those kinds of things. And, and I guess it's, it's not rocket science, but it's the first time that it really connected for me that, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're ingrained, we've ingrained, for most of us have ingrained within ourselves that behavioural pattern where we have the voices in our heads. I think everyone has them. I'm not talking about, um, you know, symptoms of schizophrenia or any personality disorder, but, but, you know, just the things, the narrative that we hear within our minds when we're, when we're undertaking any activity, but particularly in this instance when we're undertaking something that's difficult and challenging and hard, is that, that we have this, this kind of voice that's telling us, you know, you can't do it, 
you need to stop or you haven't got what this takes, you're not strong enough, you're not resilient enough, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough. And, and really, that's a, those are kind of patterns and those are, are narratives that we've probably, for most of us, been giving to ourselves for our entire lives. And particularly as kids, um, you know, we get, I guess, in the habit of, of playing back those excuses. You know, from a, for a kid, it's kind of expressing their will and it's expressing their personality to say they don't want to do something that their parent has told them to do or asked them to do. Um, whether or not it's because they don't particularly want to do the thing in question or they'd rather be doing something else or if there's some other inherent reason fundamentally they're, they're kind of putting up that objection from from the offset um, and often you know when they're in being asked to do something such as homework some school work or a, a chore or a task that the parent wants them to do you know often those their response and their reaction can be driven from within them and from those kinds of voices that undoubtedly they're being fed by their brain to kind of protect them and keep them safe, such as, you know, you don't have what, what it takes to solve this maths problem or, you know, you can't remember these particular historical or scientific facts for your test at school. You're going to fail. You're not smart enough, you know. And all of those things aren't necessarily some sort of sadistic response within us to, to drive us down the route of failure as kids, but rather it's, it's our lizard brain, it's our amygdala, that's kind of responsible for keeping us safe from risk and safe from harm and it kind of senses we're in, when we're in a position of discomfort even as kids and, and kind of tries to encourage the response which will remove that risk and take away that un, unpleasant feeling of discomfort. So in, in kind of feeding up these responses to say you know you're not smart enough you should just give up on this or it's too difficult you won't be able to do it so you're better off just giving up essentially it's encouraging that self-protection. And I guess the fact that we kind of carry these responses through into adulthood isn't any great surprise. You know, what we do in, on a repeated basis within our lives kind of informs the way that we act and react to anything. And it ingrains the behaviours that we kind of demonstrate throughout our lives. So really, it's no great surprise then that when I found myself sweating away in the gym and, and kind of looking around me at all these other people who my brain was telling me were fitter than me and better equipped to do the workout than me and, you know, what right did I have to be there? I'm too old, too unfit, too unhealthy to, to kind of keep up and to complete the workout. That was, that was the kind of echoes of, of the messages I've been feeding myself my entire life just kind of creeping through. So... It's, it's kind of fundamentally here, we, we need to be very clear, it's not just a sense of petulant resistance that a child has and that an adult then displays, but rather that instinct to avoid discomfort and to try and protect ourselves from a perceived risk or from a perceived trauma, even if it isn't a traumatic or risky situation. And what's, what's fundamental here is that obviously we can't allow these resistances to stop us from doing things. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect a child to kind of say, no, I'm not going to eat my vegetables, and the parent to say, okay, fair enough, well, you go back to eating your sweets and your candy then. Um, you know, no, that isn't how someone progresses in life. You know, in the instance of that example, that wouldn't be how a child um, maintains their health and looks after their teeth and all those kinds of fundamental things that a parent wants for their child. Any more than an adult who's at the gym and feels out of their comfort zone is kind of going to automatically just let themselves quit and stop. If they actually need to work out to, to build their health and to build their fitness, then they can't just walk away. They can't just give up. Actually, what they need to do is knuckle down and persist. 
So there's really a real need there to kind of develop the skill of overcoming those responses and overcoming those resistances and kind of taking on board perhaps what those voices are telling us in our minds, but kind of proceeding and carrying on regardless. So what I wanted to talk about in this podcast was really about my thoughts on the kinds of objections that we hear in our minds, how they kind of root back to the sorts of things that kids kind of play back when they're um, responding and reacting to, to things that people ask of them. And then to try and demonstrate how we can manage those things more effectively so that we can grow, we can stretch and we can develop and we can come back from things that are hardships or difficulties or challenges and work through them and learn from them rather than just kind of giving up at the first sign of threat. So as I look around, um, obviously I do a a fair amount of reading uh, and investigation as I'm trying to understand better how I function and how I can get on and achieve my goals, as I'm sure you do. So much of the guidance that I encounter and, and that that seems to be aimed at anyone who's aspiring to greatness or achievement in anything, whether that's business, entrepreneurship, personal growth, emotional growth, sports and fitness, or virtually any aspect of life that involves Um, developing ourselves and furthering ourselves is the importance of managing and winning that mental battle and there's always the similar challenges that kind of come through in any endeavor Um, and it's really about us being having well being able to develop the courage to uh, carry on in the face of either ambivalence or rejection or failure or any kind of demoralizing result that we might encounter It's about accepting that the process incorporates the ups and the downs and the wins and the losses. And, you know, no no journey from A to B is ever going to be completely smooth and go without hiccup. So it's about accepting that there are going to be challenges, there are going to be the negatives, and figuring out how we learn and grow from them, not just be defeated by them. And it's about accepting failures and difficulties and hardship as an inherent part of reaching your goals. You know, we don't just go through things, we grow through things. So if something happens to us, you know, we have the choice where we can either accept it as the ultimate feedback and walk away, or we can figure out what we did wrong and and learn from it and go forward. So, you know, it's accepting that that failure and hardship along the way is an inherent part of the process. It's also about accepting and adapting to the fact that there are many things that are outside of our control things that we can't do anything about. So we don't want to be distracted by them. We don't want to compare ourselves with others and see where others are going forwards and where where we perceive that we're failing um, and use that as a reason to give up. And nor do we want to surrender control of of ourselves to things that we can control, but rather we we can't control everything. So we have to accept that. We have to accept that there are environmental factors, things that go on around us that we can't do anything about. And it's really ultimately about being prepared to manage your own mind and fight back a little bit when that lizard brain wants to protect us from harm. So we need to make sure that we don't just retreat from the challenges, um, we don't just prevent our action, we don't just stop where we are and maintain the status quo, which is what that lizard brain wants us to do. But rather we actually say, okay, I know what this is. I know that this is my, my mind trying to keep me safe from risk and safe from a harm that it perceives, but I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to push on with this business venture, I'm going to push on with this difficult discussion and and kind of resolve a a challenge in my relationship. I'm going to carry on with this workout of the gym and I'm going to make ground and I'm going to get better. 
And like I say, you know, like I want to re-emphasize again, this isn't just about something that's new to us. It shouldn't really come as any great surprise. Although, like I say, it was it was the first time I'd really made that connection in my mind that the behaviors and the things that I was experiencing as an adult, the challenges that my mind was throwing up to me as I tried to achieve something were the same challenges that my mind had been throwing up to me since I was a kid. When I was telling myself I wasn't smart enough to do my math homework or you know, I'm not as good as someone else or I'm not as popular as someone else. So there is nothing new here. It's just about recognizing that and then learning how we can manage it better. So I'm now going to talk about some of the, the objections that, that you can hopefully picture a child saying in response to a request from a, an adult, from their parent perhaps, or a teacher, um, and to then try and illustrate how I believe we kind of carry through these same behaviors and these same thoughts and same objections in adulthood. So the first one, I guess, is the classic. You know, you can imagine a whiny kid saying, I don't want to do that, or I don't want to eat this, or I don't want to do my homework, or I don't want to eat my vegetables, or I don't want to go to school. You know, it's that kind of outright objection to the things that they don't want to do. They don't want to kind of comply, and they don't want to, to toe the line, I guess. And, you know, kids demonstrate, I guess, this, this response and this feedback for a variety of reasons. But fundamentally, I suppose they look at the situation and they find it unappealing for some reason, or perhaps that it compares unfavorably to something they'd rather be doing. So, you know, the classic example, I don't want to do my homework, I want to carry on watching TV, or I want to carry on playing with my toys or playing with my friends. And it's the kind of, the response of the mind, I guess, to comparing the two activities and looking at the relative merits of each and you know playing with their toys or watching TV has no risk you know it's a reward situation where the child is getting something out of it they're getting the entertainment they're getting the perceived fun they're not being stretched or challenged whereas the prospect of sitting down and doing some homework or reading a book or something that they've got to do under sufferance has a certain amount of lack of appeal to it or perhaps a potential risk associated with it. You know, they know that they're going to struggle. They know they're going to find it difficult. And so it's far more appealing to stay in that reward situation where their ego and their mind and everything else are getting the, the rewards that they want out of it. And it's the same challenge for adults. You know, we, we don't just go into a situation and think, you know, I'll, I'll do that because it's what I need to do necessarily. You know, for many of us, I know for certainly in the case of myself with a history of kind of being engaged in exercise and, and self-improvement versus not being engaged in exercise and self-improvement. You know, I've gone through phases where actually it just seems like far too much trouble and hassle to, to drag myself to the gym and to work out when actually I could stay at home and sit on the couch and watch TV and drink a beer or any of those things that, that kind of make, make my life easier and don't carry with them a potential risk. You know, I'm not talking about a risk of having a heart attack, fortunately, you know, touch wood, I'm healthy and all those kinds of things, but rather the risk of shame or the risk of embarrassment or the risk of feeling like I'm not measuring up to my own standards or not keeping up with other people. So it's that same process that I think we go through of looking at a particular situation or looking at something that we're either in the midst of or contemplating doing and then thinking about it as whether it's rewarding, whether it's fun, whether it's, you know, pleasant, or alternatively, whether it's something that's completely unpalatable. You know, and as an adult, unfortunately, life is, the reality of life is that there are more of the 
kind of unpleasant or the mundane tasks that we need to go through and do on a daily basis as part of keeping our lives together. There are the difficult conversations that we need to have either with members of our family from time to time or with our partner or in our workplace or with our customers or with the bank manager or any number of people. You know, we can't avoid them. There are, you know, in our in our financial lives there may be the threat or, or, or potential disappointment that we know exists if we're to dive into our spending and to look at our financial situation and so we may want to avoid that but you know the reality of being an adult is you're responsible for yourself and you have to manage your finances. Um, if we employ people and we manage people at work we may, be ha- we may be knowing that we have to deal with a disruptive employee or someone who isn't performing as we want them to. Um, and in the workplace as well, you know, there are the other things that we just kind of recognise as being a part of life and being part of being an adult. So we, know, we may know that we need to volunteer for extra work, we need to put our hand up, we need to stick our head above the parapet in a meeting and give our opinion or volunteer for something if we want to get ahead. And the list goes on, you know. It's, it's that process of actually recognising there are things that we have to do rather than the things that we really want to do. And the same example exists, you know, if, if, as I said, if we want to, to get fitter and we want to lose weight and we want to be a, a more healthy person, then, you know, ultimately we are going to have to put ourselves out of our comfort zone. We are going to have to exert ourselves a little more and, and exercise harder and, and make better food choices and not eat the junk food that's been making us lethargic or fat or unhe- unhealthy um, and actually go out there and do the thing that we have to do. Um, in any aspect of personal development, you know, we may know that we've got um, a, a kind of inherent nature within ourselves that isn't helping us to get to where we want to be. So we may be a, an overly negative person. We may recognise that we have a very dim view of things. We're a kind of glasses half empty kind of person, rather than being optimistic, focused, motivated, and driven. And and we need to do something to tackle that. You know, we need to seek help. We need to read around it, or get guidance, or, or get some counselling, perhaps, or get a coach that can help us to break through those things. So, in each instance, it's about recognising what the unpleasant tasks and what the mundane tasks perhaps are, and resigning ourselves to it, and actually doing it with enthusiasm. So, really, then, what we need to do to get on to get through that, I don't want to. Uh, expression and that I don't want to response and actually further ourselves is to actually start to form that habit and that commitment to just taking action and tackling the things that we need to do before those that we want to do. So it really does come down to I'm afraid some very simple principles and those are you know having self-discipline you know as my as one of my kind of heroes Jocko Willink says discipline equals freedom you know, if you're disciplined, then you're ultimately going to get to freedom because you're kind of doing the things that need to be done before those that you want to do. And when we look at an activity, we need to really kind of look at it based on the impact that it's going to potentially deliver to our lives and the improvement that it's going to deliver to our lives. It's sometimes very easy to look at the task rather than to look at the outcome and to think, well, I don't particularly want to clean the house. I don't particularly want to do the do the housework and tidy up. But the task is un- is unappealing, but the actual, the benefits, the impact that that activity will have on us, are magn- you know have a magnitude of of greatness beyond the actual activity. So, if the house is clean and tidy and ordered, then we're going to feel better about it. You know, we're going to have more pride in our environment. We're going to feel happier operating in it and having people around, having our friends around, or you know, knowing that the kids see the example that it's important to live in in a kind of state of order and cleanliness. 
it's not about the task, it's not about the hour or so of effort that's going to be required to tidy up, but rather the benefits that are going to come as a result of that activity. So really that's a very simple example but where I'm saying look at the impact rather than the actual activity itself. And kind of we know, you know, we know that those things, self-discipline, prioritization, looking at the bigger picture, aren't things that kids are naturally good at. They aren't traits that kids naturally have. And I think they're actually not traits that many adults have as well. Um, so really, it's not surprising if you find yourself in a situation where you feel those things are lacking. But what's important is to acknowledge those traits are lacking. And just as we would for, as parents, to try and then address that fact. And to teach ourselves again to learn to comply and to adopt the practice of discipline to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do and effectively giving ourselves a bit of a shake and telling ourselves to grow up because that's what it comes down to you know you can't just respond with that i don't want to as adults i don't want to work out i could i could have just walked out of that gym but actually no i recognize that i'm there for a reason i need to commit to that and carry on so that's the first one The next childlike expression then, after I don't want to do it, is I can't do it. You know, I, I think again this comes down to the classic example of a child who's perhaps the parents got them past the initial objection of I don't want to do my homework and now they're actually sat there doing it and staring blankly at the page or, you know, I've seen any number of other responses in my own kids of, of kind of rage that they can't get their heads around it, they can't understand what they're supposed to do or kind of being completely demoralized you know in extreme examples I guess sobbing and feeling like you know this is this is so unfair I can't do this um, you know so it's, it's, it's that kind of situation where the initial response is I can't do it I can't I can't I haven't got the skills to do this I'm not experienced enough I'm not agile enough I'm not financially stable enough I'm not healthy enough I haven't got the resources to actually do this activity so as adults, you know, I guess the way we try and help is we try and instill confidence, we try and instill belief, we try and equip our kids with the skills. You know, I've lost count of the number of times when one of the ch kids has been struggling with their homework, you know, in maths for example. I then find myself having to teach myself the skill again in, in algebra or whatever the challenge is, so that I can then help them to learn or boost their learning. And, and it's that kind of thing, you know, it's that kind of example we need to be able to either boost whatever's lacking in them, whether it's the confidence or whether it's actually helping them with the skills or just the mindset to say, you know, actually, yeah, this is difficult. There's no hiding it, it is difficult because reality is, you know, I think most of my kids, once they get to about early teens, have surpassed my, my knowledge or my recollection of maths as it stands anyway. So, you know, I can acknowledge there that it's not easy. You know, nothing worth doing ever really is. You know, it might be, it might be that they need to actually push themselves out of their comfort zones um, and all that anyone's doing when they say they can't do it is they're kind of surrendering that control, they're surrendering themselves to it and saying well I can't really do anything about this therefore I'm, I'm not going to try. You know they're giving up on that bit of that expression, I'm not going to try or I'm not going to push myself or I'm not going to persist. And it's, sometimes it is more comfortable to believe that a task is completely infeasible or it's impossible or it requires a skill or experience that's completely beyond us rather than maybe contemplating that, you know, actually, look, it is feasible, it can be done. It might just require a bit more effort, application or practice or hard work just to get the results that I need from this. 
So, you know, again, it comes back to, unfortunately, discipline, but, you know, discipline does equal freedom. Um, sometimes we need to actually accept that we do need to just knuckle down. I mean, part of breaking through that story is the really to really require us to just persist in the knowledge that it won't be easy, but that we do have the resources to get through it. And just as a parent would reassure their child, you know, that you are going to learn and you are going to get through this, we need to reassure ourselves, you know, in that in that moment in the gym that I keep coming back to, you know, I was reassuring myself, well, look, you know, there's, there's people here who are massively fitter than me, who come more regularly to the gym, who've been doing it for years. But, you know, there are people here who are older, more unhealthy, more unfit, more out of shape than me, and they're getting through it just as I will. So, you know, it's offering yourself that confidence and that reassurance and knowing that you're there for a reason and you're there as part of a journey. So it's not purely just about discipline, it's about reassurance as well. And it's actually about nurturing ourselves as we would nurture our kids. We're trying to encourage that belief and that confidence that they have what it takes and that we have what it takes. And it might just actually require a bit of work to get there. The next childlike response that, that I've heard myself use as an adult, I guess, is one that arises from something that I think I'll probably do a whole episode on at some point in the future and that's how we are tending to make unhelpful comparisons compared to others and it's that that childlike expression they can look at someone else they can look at one of their peers or one of their friends or someone in their class or whatever and say well why does it come easy for them why is that person able to do this and I'm not you know it may be one of their friends who finds maths easy and who just kind of seems to breeze through the homework and is constantly getting praised by the teachers and all those things that can kind of arise from envy from the child. Or it may be one of their friends who's a kind of the mainstay of one of the sports teams, you know, someone who's brilliant at every sport, who's constantly on the team, who's the captain of the team and is constantly getting a praised, uh, praise from his teachers or, or from his peers, just admired for the fact that he's a brilliant player of a particular sport. You know, and then there's also, as a kid, I remember those 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 kids who we perceive to be brilliant at everything, who are kind of completely annoying and completely um, drain us of all our, our kind of self-worth and value because we look at them and think, well, I can't measure up to them. And I, I think the key thing is that both as kids and as adults, that unhelpful comparisons are rife throughout life. You know, everyone does it. Everyone spends time looking around at everyone else who's in either a similar situation or at least who we think is in a similar situation and comparing the results that that person gets to the results that we get. And I think the key thing to remember about those unhelpful comparisons and the responses that they feed, you know, that expression, why does it come easy to them, is that we are being really selective about what we see and what we compare ourselves to in others. You know, there's, everyone is that kind of complex iceberg. You know, we only see the, the small percentage above the surface. I don't know, is it 20% of an iceberg that is actually above the surface? You know, we don't recognise what is beneath the surface, the 80% that we can't see. And we don't know everything that's going on in everyone's lives, just the same as no one knows what's going on in all aspects of our lives. So we may look at someone who's, you know, absolutely crushing it in their business as an adult and seeing them making loads of money and seemingly everything they touch turns to gold and yet you know their personal life may be an absolute car wreck you know they may be lonely they may be anxious they may be 
overwhelmed by all the, the things that are causing their successes. They may be making them completely unhappy because they're struggling, you know. We don't know, but we choose to look at the one bit of their life that seems better than ours or seems to be what we want, and then we compare ourselves to that and use it as a reason to knock ourselves down. So we kind of, as, as hard as it is, and as hard as it is to tell your kids that, I think, you know, I've, I've had the conversations with my kids about, you know, don't, don't be swayed by the fact that that person or that child is seemingly successful in all aspects of their life, because I'm sure they're not, you know, and they don't have the skills and qualities that you have in certain areas of your life. You know, it's about reassuring ourselves, actually, what's most important is ourselves and how we're getting on with things and how we feel about things and how we're getting on with the tasks that are in front of us rather than worrying too much about what other people are doing. And certainly we shouldn't be using that as an excuse to kind of degrade our efforts or to modify our behaviours if, if all that we're looking to do is give ourselves a further reason to give up on something because we're never going to be good as person X, Y, Z. You know, and it's really fundamental this. We can't undermine everything that we know about ourselves and everything that we're doing and think that actually we're just garbage because we're not measuring up to, to that person. We have our own skills, we have our own um, values and our own qualities and everything that makes us amazing and everything that makes us special. And just because another person seems to be doing better than us in one sphere of our life, in their life, that, that we kind of value or that we aspire to, it's not a reason to kind of give up on that aspect of our lives because we'll never measure up to that person. And we need to remember again that this is an ingrained behaviour. It's our, our monkey mind, our lizard brain, our amygdala, whichever you prefer to think of it as, kind of telling us, you know, feeding us another reason to potentially give up, you know. Look at that person, they're better than you. There's no way you're going to be as good as them, so you'd better just give up now. So you need to remember that, remember that where the response comes from and remember how to handle it, which is basically to say, you know, it's great if someone's inspiring you, they're doing brilliantly in their lives and you can see you can take inspiration from that, then brilliant, but don't use it as a reason to beat yourself up and think you're not good enough or you're not as good as them and then potentially use that as a reason to quit. You know, if you can't take some benefit from it, ignore it. And the final one, I guess, is just a, a kind of a dis an element of, of, of childlike behaviour and something that I think a lot of adults carry along too. I know that I certainly do is that kind of response if you can imagine a child saying I don't want to do this, I want to do that instead. You know it's that kind of idea of lacking the discipline to kind of apply yourself to what you need to do or what you think you should be doing and having a wandering focus that kind of looks around and chases that that kind of shiny penny that that you know kind of attracts us or that glimmer that, that makes our attention go elsewhere rather than where it should be on the uh, the task or activity that we have in hand at the moment. And our mind's always going to notice these diversions and these distractions and particularly in times when we're being challenged or tested or feeling uncomfortable. We may well need the uh, the kind of, at that time is when we really need the, the kind of focus and the determination and the application to, to get on with doing what we're doing rather than being kind of distracted by anything and everything that's going on around us. And so at times when we're kind of in the midst of things, you know, it's the same as if you were trying to get your kid to do their homework with the TV set on in the background. You know, they're never going to be able to concentrate if, if there's a distraction that's being presented to them. So, you know, if you're in the midst of writing writing a document for work, for example, 
don't have a web browser open with Facebook on it, you know, or put your phone out of sight so that you're not tempted to look at it if you get a, a text message or, you know, constantly distracted to go and check your email every five minutes. Because all of this is basically doing is is basically removing those distractions from your your kind of sphere of consciousness and 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 removing that opportunity for you to to kind of have a fear of missing out of, of that FOMO expression that seems to be so uh, ubiquitous these days and and you're kind of taking it out of the equation. You're not allowing yourself to be disciplined in the same way as if you're a parent, you wouldn't allow your child to be disciplined. You know, if you're not if you want them to eat their broccoli, you're not going to kind of put an ice cream sundae in front of them as well unless it's by some kind of means of trying to tempt them but realistically you don't want to distract them from the thing that you really want them to kind of eat and do it for the right reasons with something that they can't have you know or something that actually they'd much rather have so if distractions are an issue for you and you're kind of constantly playing that message I want to do that instead well then frankly what you need to do is to take those distractions out of the equation So I just wanted to wrap up now and, and summarise, I hope, what will be some of the key tactics that you can take away from this podcast and hopefully apply in your own life. Um, I guess the key thing I'd like to say first off is that you know it's really helpful to recognise that when we're struggling mentally and we're struggling in times of challenge and we're trying to perhaps counter that resistance that our mind's throwing up to us, that we shouldn't be beating ourselves up about it. You know, We shouldn't be down on ourselves over what's going on we need to recognise and remember that we're actually battling the habits that have been built up over a lifetime. You know, quite often we've ingrained the behaviours as kids and the ways that we respond to times of difficulty and things that we perceive to be difficult. And, you know, we've carried on practising in that same way and living in that same way and responding in that same way through the rest of our lives. So, you know, it's not something that can be changed overnight, but rather something that in order to kind of smooth out that behaviour and to get a more effective way of operating, we need to kind of practice, we need to apply the key principles that will kind of help take us in that right direction and make our responses a little bit more positive. So I've summarised kind of three key principles, three key tactics, if you like, that you can apply when you hear some of those kind of childlike messages uh, in your mind when you're going through something that's difficult. So number one, if you believe you can't do it, is it really the case that you can't do it or are you actually just coming up with excuses to kind of cloud the effort that's involved? So I think the fact is, you know, we can recognise that virtually everyone has the opportunity and the ability to do anything they want to. They may not have the skills for it, they may not have the time, the resources, the experience or be equipped with the mindset to do it at a given point in time, but there really is nothing that anyone can't do if they were to put their mind to it. So, you know, I've, I've, I'm aware of examples of people with no arms and legs who've climbed mountains. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but I will, it'll come back to me, I'm sure, as soon as I finish recording. Um, but essentially, you know, anyone in any situation can pretty much do anything if they really want to. So when you say you can't do something, you know, you need to recognise that for what it is. It might be that you need further skills or support or experience or training or education or any number of other things, but fundamentally everyone has it within them. So don't play it down and don't recognise that it's for any reason other than for a need for discipline and application. You know, ultimately we all have more than the situation we're in requires of us. 
and if we need to do something or do something unpleasant as a short-term measure to get a long-term reward, then that's what we need to do. Tactic two is if you don't want to do something, it's possible and more in, in fact likely that you're not seeing the long-term benefit of it. If you're just saying to yourself, I don't want to, it's probably because you're not looking at the, the bigger picture. You're not looking beyond the short-term pain for the long-term gain. There's always um, some reason why something needs to be done, whether it's a trivial activity in our day-to-day -day life or a bigger change in our mindset or a bigger change in the way that we live. But ultimately, if you can appraise yourself of what the long-term benefit is, then you're far more likely to be able to throw yourself into the short-term activity. And some things just need to be done. And again, so it comes back to discipline. The final thing is about, I suppose tactic three then, is about everything that's going on around us. So part one of <laughs> tactic three, sorry to complicate things, is if there's things in the environment going on around you that are kind of unhelpful, they're distracting, then remove, remove, remove yourself from the distraction or remove the distractions. You know, don't use other things that are going on around you as an excuse or a reason not to do something you have to do. Take away those distractions, close the Facebook window on your computer while you're writing a, an essay if you need to do it. Um, don't put um, unhealthy sugary food in the fridge if you know you're trying to lose weight. You know, take those distractions out of the equation. And similarly, part three, Part two of tactic three, I guess, is if you find yourself making unhelpful comparisons for other people with other people as a means of giving yourself an excuse to quit or to change what you're doing, then you know you need to recognize that you're not seeing the full picture. Unhelpful comparisons are just that, they're unhelpful, and all comparisons are really unhelpful. Um, if you're looking at someone else and you're thinking they're inspiring, you know, that's not that's not the same thing. It's not for me. That's not looking at someone else's achievements and thinking I can achieve that if I can emulate them. You know, if you're comparing yourself to someone else and you're just seeing what they do and thinking they do it better and you're never going to stand a chance of succeeding as they have, that's an unhelpful comparison. So don't forget that you're only seeing a very small percentage of what's going on in their lives and not the stuff that's hidden beneath the surface. So I guess really that's that's all I wanted to cover today. So fundamentally it comes down to adopting that discipline. Discipline equals freedom, as I keep saying. And Jocko Willink says it far better than I ever will. We need to close our minds to procrastination and take each step in life one thing at a time. You know, if we're in the midst of something, it's not gonna be easy. There are gonna be times of challenge and times of difficulty. And we need to just knuckle down and get on with it. Um, we need to get out of our own way and we need to stop our mind throwing up the excuses or giving us the potential outs and saying, well, you know, you don't have to do this. You could quit if you want. Um, but fundamentally, if we can recognise those kinds of interrupts in, that come in our minds and, and know that they're coming from a place which is our kind of inner monkey mind or lizard brain trying to keep us safe from risk and harm, we need to just remember that that's what it's doing, recognise it for what it is, and then actually adopt the, the adult discipline uh, and the kind of positive approach to actually getting on and doing the thing we were doing anyway and recognise it for the long-term benefit it brings to our lives. And, you know, if you want to try and apply some of this towards your kids, it may offer you more effective ways of dealing with their challenges too and helping them to get through those challenges that they, they often face. So why not give it a go? So that's everything I wanted to say. Um, I'm really grateful to you for spending your time on this podcast and I hope you found it useful. 
Uh, as always, if you have any feedback, then um, my contact details and everything are in the show notes and in the closing segment of the podcast. And until next time, this is Toby Hazelwood with the Kintsugi Life podcast. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. This has been the Kintsugi Life podcast from Toby Hazelwood. I hope you've enjoyed it and found it useful, and I'd welcome feedback or contact from you to let me know your thoughts. You can reach out on toby at kintsugilife.co. Thank you.